I appreciate so much the invitation to come back and be with you again. And to, I appreciate so much the elders inviting me to come and to be the speaker during your meeting. We'll say more at the next hour about the things we have planned. But it's good to be with you. There's several of you I've known for many years, um, as well as having a daughter and son-in-law and grandchildren here. And there are some who have worshipped with us at uh, El Bethel in Shelville. That's how you pronounce it, Shelville. We leave part of the letters out over there. If you're a native, it's not Shelbyville as it ought to be pronounced, Shelville. But anyway, we're, uh, we're glad to be here and look forward to the lessons we have planned. I encourage you to get a Bible and turn to Acts chapter 27 with me as the beginning point for our study. Acts chapter 27. This is in the midst of the shipwreck that you remember Paul was in, in his voyage toward Rome. And the text says, now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, <coughs> saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you and all who sail with you. Therefore take heart, men, for I believe God that it should be just as he told me. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe God? And your answer may be, well, sure, I believe in God. I wouldn't be if I didn't believe. I didn't ask you if you believe in God. I asked you if you believe God. It's a different question. Do you believe God? Paul here is talking about his trust in God, his confidence in God, his dependence upon God, his reliance upon God. Paul said, I believe God that it shall be just as he told me. Again, I ask, do you believe God? Let's go to another passage and see a distinction that is made. Let's go to a passage in Hebrews chapter 11 and in verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You see, to believe that he is, is to believe in Christ, to believe in God. To believe that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him is to believe God. And I'm here this morning to tell you those are not necessarily the same thing. That it's altogether possible one could believe in God. They believe there is a God. He exists. He is real. There is evidence of the existence of God. But they may not believe the things that God has to say. And so again I ask you the question, do you believe God? The question is not do you believe there is a God, you believe in God, you believe that he is, but do you believe he's the reward of those who diligently seek him? Do you believe what he says? Let's go again. This time to Acts chapter 1 and in verse 1. As Luke begins this great treatise, he said, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began, now notice this, both to do and teach. Both to do and teach. You see, we must accept what Jesus did. We must believe in him. In other words, we, we turn and look through, for example, the book of Luke. We see miracle after miracle and uh, things that he did that were great wonders that he wrought. We believe that. And we believe indeed that he is who he claimed to be. But we must also accept what he taught. We must believe him when he says what he says. 
And again, I want to suggest those are not necessarily the same thing. Now, in John chapter 20, 30 and 31, this is at the end of this great book that I would give the title instead of the book of John, I would call it Miracles of Jesus because that's the focal point. So as it focused on the miracles of Jesus, truly many other signs he did in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. What else? And that believing you may have life in his name. To believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, is to believe in Christ. The believing means that I believe Christ. But let's go one more time to the book of 1 John before we begin to draw some conclusions. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 10, I want you to watch for something. Now watch for a definition here. We're going to learn a definition of what it means to believe God. So 1 John chapter 5 and verse 10 said, For he who believes in the Son of God has this witness in himself, but he who does not believe God. Now, John, what do you mean believing God? What are you talking about? All right, let's go further. Has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. Well, I just learned something from that text. I'm learning from that that believing God is believing the testimony of God. That's possible. Again, I can believe there is a God. I believe he's real. I believe he exists. I believe in the one true being, but I may not believe exactly what he said. I may reject part of what he said. So believing God, when I ask you, do you believe God? Do you believe the testimony of God is the question? Do you accept what God had to say? Now, here is the challenge that is before us. The challenge is, do we merely believe in God? Or do we both believe in God and we not only believe there is a God, but we believe God himself. We believe the testimony of God. We accept what God had to say. That's a challenge we have. So let's talk this morning about believing God. Again, I ask you, do you believe God? Again, I did not ask you, did you believe in God? But do you believe God? Now, let's take some Old Testament characters. We're going to look at two sections in this study. The first part is, let's talk about those who face this challenge. And I'm going to divide that into two sections now. In other words, we're going to start with those who believed in God. And at the same time, they believed God. Here's some people who walked up to the challenge and they did quite well with this challenge. They believe there is a God, they believe in God, but they also believed God, even though it may not have been easy for them to believe what he said. And then we're going to flip the coin over and we're going to look at some people who believed in that same God, but they didn't believe him. So let's start with Noah. So let's get our Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and in verse 7. So we're going to take our time to trace through some examples and we're going to watch for two things. Did they believe in God? Surely. We'll see that. But did they believe God? Well, in this case, we're going to see that he did. Hebrews chapter 11 and in verse 7. This is faith's hall of fame. Great examples of faith. And notice that he says, by faith. That's by faith Noah. Well, that tells me that he had faith in God. He believed there is a God. He believed in him. So by faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not seen... Now, what did he do with that information when he was told that by God, there's going to be a flood, you need to build an ark? He moved with fear, godly fear, preparing an ark to the saving of his household. 
Now, he did believe in God, but what else did he do when God said build an ark because there's going to be a flood? He moved and built an ark. Do you have that same kind of faith? Let's go over to the Genesis account of that same story, Genesis 6 and in verse 22. It's the most interesting phrase to me. It's three words at the end of the verse, at least in the translation that I'm using. And the text says, thus Noah did, after giving God giving him all the instructions concerning building the ark. Here's what you do, here's how it's going to be built, the size, etc. Notice in verse 22, thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. And notice the next three words, so he did. So he did. When you look at what God has told you to do, could it be said concerning all that God commanded him, so he did. Whatever God has told her to do, so she did. That's an interesting phrase, and so he did. Whatever God told him to do, he did, because he believed God. Noah did quite well, didn't he? He walked up to the challenge and faced it quite well. But let's look at another example. Let's go now to another example, and this time let's look at the case of Abraham. What a classic example this is. We often talk about the faith of Abraham. Turn to Romans chapter 4. Though an Old Testament example, we're going to look at the New Testament commentary concerning that. Noah's, I mean, Abraham is a great example of faith. We're going to see that the text says he did believe God. Let's see what it says. Romans chapter 4 beginning at verse 16 now. Romans chapter 4 verse 16. Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace... So that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. The fact that he mentions the faith of Abraham tells me already, if I didn't know before, he's a man who believes in God. He believes that God exists. He believes he's real. Let's go further. As it is written, I made you the father of many nations. And the presence of him who believed even God. See what the text says. Here's a man who not only believed in God, he believed even God. What do you mean, Paul? He believed even God. Who gives life to the dead and cause things that do not exist as though they did. Who, now notice, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. You see, before Abraham had a child, before Abraham, or, or when Abraham was an old man, we're going to see that as we read further, well beyond the time of having children. His wife is well beyond the years of bearing children. God said, you're going to have seed, you're going to have children. What's the text say? He believes even God. Now begin at verse 19, and not being weak in faith. In other words, he didn't sit back and say, I wonder. I, I kind of think maybe it could be that we're going to have children, but I kind of wonder about that. I don't know. He believed, not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now notice verse 20, and he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Verse 21, having been fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. What do you say about Abraham? Abraham believed in God, but when God said you're going to have a child, he believed God. I want to tell you, being at the age of Abraham and having a wife of the age of Sarah would be hard to accept that, but he believed even God. 
All right, let's go to another example. Let's go to another example. Let's take the case of Hannah. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1. As we're introduced to Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1, we see a woman that is barren. She has no children. She is distraught because of this. And 1 Samuel chapter 1 says that she was praying to God. You remember how that in verse 13, verse 12, that she continued praying before the Lord and Eli watched her mouth. And he thought perhaps she was drunk because she's praying before the Lord. And now the Lord through Eli comes to her and gives this statement. He says to her, uh, let's back up to verse 16. She said, do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I've spoken unto now. In other words, I'm not a wicked woman. What I'm doing is I'm crying out to the Lord. You see, I have a problem. I believe in God. I believe he's real. I wouldn't be praying to him. All right, Hannah, would you believe God if he told you something? Let's see. Verse 17, Eli answered and said, Go in peace and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. In other words, you're going to have a child. She believed that? Let's see. Look at verse 18. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and her face was no longer sad. What does that tell you? She believed the message she just heard. Here was a woman who believed there is a God. And when God gives her an answer to her question, saying you're going to have a child, she believed that. Rather than continuing in the sorrow of her heart. Let me ask you again, do you believe God? Let's go to another example. And let's take the case of Hezekiah. Hezekiah in 2 Kings chapter 18. Hezekiah was a good king. He was that, and what makes him a good king is he believed in God. He reigned for 29 years, but I want you to notice this in verses 5 and 6. The text says he trusted in the Lord God of Israel. If, that's, if that was the only phrase we had, I know he believes in God. How can you trust in something you don't believe exists? So I know he believes in God. But the text says not only did he believe in God, but he trusted in God. Tells me he believed it. So that after him, none was like him among all the kings of Judah, nor were any who were before him. Notice verse 6. For he held fast to the Lord and did not depart from following him, but kept his commandments which the Lord God had commanded Moses. He trusted him and he obeyed him, which tells me he believed God. Staying the point. This next one is quite interesting to me. Let's go to the book of Ezra. And this time to the 8th chapter. And in verse 22. We often use this phrase. In talking about people. About whether they put their money where their mouth is. What that means if you're not familiar with that phrase is. You, you, you talk a good talk. But are you going to stand up with that. And, and put trust in what you just said. Some people talk a good game, but then when it comes to putting their money where their mouth is, they won't do it. And so what Ezra did, he said, I had to put my money where my mouth is. Notice what he said in verse 22. He said, I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against our enemy on the road. He said, I wasn't about to go to the king and said, you know what? We need protection. We need an army to go with us and travel with us because there's danger on the road. Now, Ezra, why were you ashamed to do that? He said, because we had spoken to the king saying, here's what we told the king. The hand of the Lord our God is upon 
those for good who seek him and his powers and his wrath is against those who forsake him. He said, we've been telling the king, as long as we're serving the Lord, God will take care of us. And I had to put my money where my mouth is so I didn't ask for an escort. I believed what I was saying. I believed what God had told me. Well, you put your money where your mouth is when you say, I believe God. And then when God says something, are you going to accept it? We'll give some examples of that here in just a second. But let's go further. Well, let's talk about Joseph. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1. Joseph was espoused to Mary, the text says. He had not known her in an intimate way. She is a virgin. And now she's found with child. Now, think about that for a moment. If, if you were married to a woman and she's suddenly with child, and you know the child did not come from a relationship you had with her, you begin to think something, something ain't right here. But an angel comes to him, and I don't want you to notice what the angel said. The angel came to him and told him, said, Joseph, do not be afraid and take to uh, marry your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Nothing like this has happened before. But that's what an angel of God is saying to him. And she'll bring forth a son, and you'll call his name Jesus. And this is the fulfillment, by the way, verse, verse 22 of Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. I want to tell you, that would be hard to, to swallow and say, okay, that, that's all clear now. Uh, he couldn't point to another example. Oh, yeah, I had a friend where that happened too. And, and so I know that kind of thing can happen. He has nothing to, to appeal to. I know he believes in God. Does he believe God? Look at verse 24. Then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her until the first uh, she brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus, just like the angel had said. See, another example of someone who believed in God, and he believes God too. But that's not always easy. So let's one more here, then we're going to flip the coin. Let's mention briefly Paul, and I only mention this briefly because that's where we started in Acts chapter 27, in the midst of a shipwreck. Where Luke had recorded it, verse 20, and I'm paraphrasing verse 20. Luke had basically said, I thought we were goners. <laughs> I thought it was all lost. There's no way we're going to survive this. And Paul stood up in the midst of the storm and he said, there will be no loss of life, but only a ship. We've all got to stay aboard ship. And then he said, I believe God. It'll be just as he told me. Luke says that was hard to accept. Luke said, I thought we were all gone. And what I've put before you is seven examples of people who come to the challenge. Do I believe in God only or do I also believe in God but I also believe what he said? And here are seven people and there are more we can mention. But at least seven that did quite well with the challenge. But let's flip the coin over now. Let's talk about another group of people. Let's talk about some people who believed in God but they did not believe God. And before we begin to look at that list, I, don't want, I want you to understand, these are not complete apostates. Then when I throw a name before you, you say, well, sure, I, I know why. They, because they, they just completely left the Lord. No wonder you would say they don't believe God. These were not weak pretenders. In fact, some of the examples we're going to notice 
would be great examples to bring before us and teach you, have a whole Bible class just on that character of what a great Bible character they were. Yet there were occasions where they did not believe God. Now I'm getting ahead of myself and let's get to the conclusion. The conclusion we're going to draw from that list is, if it happened to them, that could happen to me. I might also have trouble believing in God. I may have strong faith in God, but I may not believe what he said on a particular subject. Let's take an example here. Let's take that of Moses. And so let's notice Moses in Exodus chapter 3. We're going to quickly run through this because I want us to uh, get to some practical application. But we've got to get this point before us that there are people who believe in God, but they don't believe God. And Moses is a classic of that. What a great Bible character he was. You say, I don't know if I'd say he's a man who didn't believe God. Well, let's see in chapter 3. You remember when he was chosen in Exodus chapter 3? When he was chosen to be the spokesman for God, to go to Pharaoh and demand, let my people go. You be the leader of my people and you go to Pharaoh. That Moses said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? God, I know you say I'm the man, but I disagree with you there. I don't know that I'm the man. I don't know about that. Look at verse 13. Verse 13. Here's something, God, we hadn't thought about. He said, when I come to the children of Israel and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me. And they say to me, what is his name? What will I say to them? Here's a question you hadn't thought about, God. We're going we're to run into a problem here. They're going to want to know more about this God. And so what do I tell them? He's having trouble accepting what God said. Let's go to chapter 4 and verse 1. Moses said, but suppose they will not believe me nor listen to my voice. Or they say the Lord has not, not sent you, not appeared to you. What are we going to say then? Look at verse 10 of chapter 4. Verse 10, Moses said, you, you, you're telling me, I'm paraphrasing here. You're telling me I'm the man for the job, but let me remind you, God, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. I'm not cut out for the job. You say I am, but I don't think so. I don't believe you, God. That's what he's saying. But you may say, well, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm just not convinced I would label him as a man who didn't believe God. Well, let's go to chapter 20 of the book of Numbers. You remember, God had told Moses to speak to the rock and bring forth water. Numbers 20 says he went to the rock and he smote the rock. He struck it. And here was God's reaction to that. Look at verse, verse 12. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron and said, Because you did not believe me. That was God's wording of that. Because you didn't believe me. To hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. He was not going to allow him to enter into the land. I want to tell you that if Moses has a problem believing God, it might be that I have a problem too. I don't claim to be stronger and greater than Moses. And now you know why I ask, do you believe God? Here's another case. It's done through the book of Judges, chapter 6. You remember the judges were military deliverers is what they were. And Gideon was called because of the Midianites. And he was chosen by God to be the defender of the people and to deliver them from the hand of the Midianites. Much like Moses when God said, you're the man for the job, let's see what he says. Look at verse 12. He said, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Lord's with you. Gideon's response, verse 13. Oh, my Lord, if the Lord's with us, then why has all this happened to us? 
I know you say you're with us, but really? They're having trouble believing God, isn't he? Let's go a little bit further. Look at verse 14. That you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. And he said in verse, verse 15, that my Lord, how can I save Israel since my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my father's house? I don't think that's true. Well, we're not done. Look at verse 16. He said, you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. And Gideon's response was, if I found favor in your sight, show me a sign. I need a sign. In other words, he's having trouble accepting what God said. One more time. Look at verse 27. That when he was to go destroy the altars, the text says he took ten men with him and did as the Lord said to him. Oh, that sounds good, doesn't it? But because he feared his father's house and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. Oh, Gideon was a great man, but he had trouble accepting exactly what God said, didn't he? If Gideon had trouble, then maybe I'm having trouble too. Let's notice another example, that of Habakkuk. You remember in Habakkuk chapter 1, Habakkuk was crying out, How long, oh God, how long are you going to let the sin of Judah go on unpunished? And God said, just hang on, and I'm again paraphrasing, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, to take care of them. Well, that posed a problem then for Habakkuk. Because now his question at verse 12 and verse 13 was, How could you use a nation more evil than this nation to punish the nation of Jews. How could you do that? He's having trouble believing God. But let's go further. Zacharias is a classic case as well. Let's talk about Zacharias. In Luke chapter 1, and this is quite interesting, in Luke chapter 1 and in verse 6, we're introduced to Zacharias and Elizabeth. This is the father of John the Baptist. And notice at verse 6 of chapter 1, we're introduced to them as they are both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. That's a pretty high compliment I want to take. What about those, or him particularly, is who we want to focus on? What about him? Well, obviously if he's walking before the Lord blameless, he believes in God. But an angel appears to him and tells him that they're going to have a son. Not like Abraham and Sarah, they're old. Does he accept that like Abraham believed even God, Romans 4 said? No, let's see what happens. Zechariah said, how shall I know this? Verse 18, for I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel said, I am Gabriel who stands before you, stands before the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time. He believed in God, but he didn't believe God when God said you're going to have a child. If that could happen to a man who's described as righteous and blameless before God, the father of John the Baptist, it might happen to me as well. Now, one more example we're going to list, and then we'll make some application, and that is of Peter. Well, in the interest of time, I'm not going to turn there. You remember the case where the Lord said that you'll be made, all of you have been made to stumble. He said, no, no, not me. And the Lord said, I, I, you'll deny me even tonight. And he said, I'll even go to, I'll die for you, but I'll never deny you. Remember that? Lord, you're wrong. I disagree with you. What I'm trying to suggest to you, if Moses and Gideon, Habakkuk and Zacharias and Peter have trouble believing God, I might have that same Struggle and challenge as well. 
Now, let's spend the rest of our time talking about your challenge and my challenge. Now, two things I want to say about this. First of all, let's talk about the fact that we do believe in God. Now, this we want to do run through hurriedly because no one disagrees here. This is not where the issue is. But I want to establish we believe in God. For example, there's not a person present who doesn't believe this, that we believe that there is a God and he exists. He's real. We believe that he is. We believe that he's the creator of the universe. He's spoken and it was done, Psalm 33. In fact, we also believe that Jesus is the son of God. John 8 in verse 24, we believe that salvation is through Christ and through no other. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, we believe that Jesus was raised from the dead and declared to be the Son of God through that resurrection, Romans 1 and verse 4, and we believe that the Bible is God's revelation. We believe God revealed his word, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Now, in fact, we believe that's so strong, we would defend that against all challenges, Somebody in the Murfreesboro area began to rise up declaring Jesus is not raised from the dead. He is not the son of God or that God did not create the world and it begins to make some headway. We would have some Bible lessons. We'd say, we'd say, David or Leland, preach some lessons, a whole series of lessons on this issue. We want to stand against the, the challenge. We might even challenge them to a debate. Let's have a debate and let's discuss whether Jesus was raised from the dead. Let's defend our faith. Oh, we believe in God. But here's the question. Do you believe God? Do you believe this? Do you believe that God controls the world and the nations? Daniel 4 and verse 25 and verse 32 says that God rules in the kingdoms of men. You believe that? In my mind, Revelation 4 is the pinnacle of the book. It's the high point of the book where the picture is God is still on his throne and in control in the midst of utter chaos. Do you believe that? That God is still on his throne, he's in control, and he rules in the kingdoms of men. I want to tell you, I think I've come across some brethren who do not believe that. This is true at all times, but in the 2016 election cycle, I didn't notice it in the 2020 as much as in the 16 cycle. That as I was traveling in meetings among brethren, and it looked and it came down to Mr. Trump or Miss Hillary Clinton going to be president, one or the other. And even among brethren, there was two camps of people. There were those who were saying the world will come to an end if Clinton gets in, and others saying, "Oh no, I'm going to tell you, if Mr. Trump gets in, it's all over. The, the, everything's ruined for everybody if he gets in." And I wondered what happened to God still being on his throne and in control. I want to tell you, if Miss Hillary had gotten to be elected the day she became president, God would still be on his throne and in control. Mr. Trump did get in. You know, when he became president, God was still on his throne and in control. Mr. Biden got in. God's still on his throne and in control. If Miss Harris becomes president, you know what? God's still going to be on his throne and in control. If we're taken over by another nation, you know what? God's still going to be on his throne and in control. Do we believe that is the question. I think we have trouble with that. You may be concerned that World War III is about to break out. Do you believe God's still on his throne and in control? Now, you believe there is a God. That's not a question. But do you believe that he's on his throne and in control? Good question, isn't it? Here's something else. 
Do you believe God hears and answers prayer? The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. You say, sure, I, I pray. I, I believe in prayer. I didn't ask you that. Do you believe God hears and answers prayer? I think there are times when we pray something will take place and almost in the same breath when we finish that prayer, we turn around and, and say that's not going to happen. But you just prayed that it would. What was going on? Do we believe that God hears? Do we believe that God responds? Do we believe in the power of prayer? Do you believe God when he promises that? Here's something else. Do you believe that you should respect and obey your parents? Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Ephesians chapter 6. And I say that because quite often people, young people, maybe in high school, even college age, well, argue with their friends who do not believe in God. They go to the elders or the Bible class teacher or the preacher. Give me some material. I'm trying to defend the resurrection of Christ against my friend. Or they believe in evolution and I need to teach them that evolution is wrong. And so we're defending the fact there is a God. And yet in the presence of that same one, we will laugh and tell them how we disobeyed our parents. We just told them, I don't believe God, but I believe he exists. Do you believe God? Do you believe this? Do you believe that how you raise the child is how the child turns out? Proverbs 22, 6 says, train a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart. I know that's a proverb. That's a general statement to which there would be exception, but that is the general rule. Do you believe that? I think I know some brethren who don't believe that. In other words, they have however many children, they have four or five children and they all turn out to the world, but have nothing to do with their raising because that's not what influences them. Do you believe the Bible principle? This is what God said, that you train a child in the way that he should go and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Do you believe that? That's what God said. While we're in Proverbs 22, if you've turned there, you might look at verse 15. Do you believe that discipline works with the child? Foolishness is bound in the heart of the child. That's not hard to believe. But the rest of the passage says, but the rod will drive it far from him. Do you believe that? No, no, spanking doesn't work. It don't work. Not with my child. See, it didn't work. It may have worked years ago, but there's better ways of disciplining a child. The rod will drive it far from him. Do you believe God? Here's something else. Do you believe discipline works? Church discipline this time we're talking about. Do you believe that works? You see, at Corinth, they were not acting as they should have toward this brother that was a fornicator, and they were told to withdraw from him, take action against him, have nothing to do with him as far as a social setting. Keep no company with him. What happened? Well, if you read 2 Corinthians chapter 2, this man's come back in repentance and they're told to embrace him and accept him and forgive him. Do you believe church discipline works? That if you withdraw from the disorderly, that it works? I want to tell you, I know a host of brethren that say it doesn't work. And I've had to stand toe to toe with some people who argue that it doesn't work. All we're doing is driving them away. We're doing more damage than good. 
And I've been asked, can you show me one case where discipline ever worked? And my answer is yes. Where? Corinth. Well, besides that, I don't need another. It worked at Corinth. That worked. I can cite other cases, but that's a pretty good one right there. That's a pretty good one right there, isn't it? It worked. Do you believe that? Oh, no, I don't think it works. Do you believe this? Do you believe that God will not allow you to be tempted greater than you can bear? That was the assurance, by the way, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, God will not allow you to be tempted greater than you, you, than you can bear, but with each temptation will provide a way to escape. God has provided that. Or do you ever get in a circumstance where you say, I cannot take this, I cannot bear this, I can't go on any longer, this is more than I can handle. <clears throat> and yet God said, no, I'm not going to give you more than that. Do you believe God? Now, you know, I'm asking that question. I believe there is a God, but do I believe what he said on that question, that issue? Do you believe this, that you can obey any command? I think there are people who sometimes, brethren I'm talking about, who say, I believe in God. But now here's a command that God told me. I just tell you, I just, I just have a hard time. I just don't know that I can do that. I just don't think I can, I, I just can't do that. I just don't think I can. I, I can't bring myself to, I, I just can't do that. It's too hard. The passage is cited here, Philippians 4.13 <clears throat> says simply that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That has been so abused over the years. Uh, the positive mental attitude concept that I can accomplish anything. I want to be a millionaire. I'll be a millionaire. I want to be a great ball player. I can be a great ball player. That's not what he's talking about. I can do anything God expects of me. I can obey any command. I can bear through any trial. I can live in any circumstance where God expects me to. So when God has given me this commandment, and it's hard, it's difficult, but I know I can do it because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do anything God expects of me. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe the power is in the word, Romans 1.16? The gospel is the power of God unto salvation, the text says. Do you believe that? Or do you believe the power is in the man? If we just had somebody that's dynamic and can entertain the crowd and, and make an appeal to the mass, maybe we could, we could attract and convert more people. You see, we need the right man for the job. Really? Or is the power in the message? The text says the gospel is the power of God in salvation. Do you believe that? Here's another question. Do you believe that association with evil corrupts? Be not deceived, evil communications or evil associations corrupts your good morals. I have had Christians tell me, I, that doesn't bother me. You say, I can associate with people of the world. I can be around people who drink and curse, and, and I can be around those kind of the people, and it doesn't impact me, you see. See, I'm too strong for that. Really? What you're telling me is that you don't believe what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, because the warning is evil communications corrupts good morals. You don't believe that. Do you believe what God said? Do you believe this? Do you believe that Christ could return at any time? We preach about the second coming and we, we tell people, we, we don't know, and we're going to talk about that this evening. We don't know when he's coming back. 
But do we think it's, all, it's going to be so far off and so many thousands and thousands and thousands of years away, it's not even a reality for my time? Or do I believe that he could return at any time since we don't know when? He'll come as a thief in the night. That he could return while we're in assembly this morning. He could come before we come back this evening. Do we believe it's possible the Lord could return at any time? Or do we just not believe what God said? Do you believe God? Do you believe God enough to obey him? See, what I want to suggest to you is, it's one thing to believe in God. It's an entirely different thing to believe God and even another matter to act upon that faith. You may say, yeah, I believe in God. And I believe God. But are you going to act upon that faith? Let me give you one closing example. And the lesson will be yours. Let's talk about Jeremiah. We talked about Ezra putting his money where his mouth is. Jeremiah did the same thing, I'm going to tell you. Jeremiah <clears throat> chapter 25 tells us that Jeremiah had been preaching that Israel, uh, Judah was going to go off into captivity for 70 years, and that 70 years indicated they're coming back. That's what Jeremiah had been preaching. He said, we're coming back. 70 years, we're coming back. There's going to be a return. We're coming back. Jeremiah, do you believe that? He believed that. So much so, Jeremiah 32 says, he bought a field as a promise. Would you have bought the field? Jeremiah, put your money where your mouth is. Are you willing to invest in this field because you think you're coming back? Because if you think you're not coming back, why are you buying the field? It's one thing to believe in God. It's another thing to believe God. And it's another thing to put your money where your mouth is and act upon it. And Jeremiah absolutely did that. <clears throat> so again, I'll close with this question we started with. Do you believe God? Do you believe God? Again, the question is not do you believe in God, but do you believe God? Thank you for your attention this morning.